What is it? Uh, let me rephrase that. Where did Jesus ever go for you? To the cross. He went to the cross for us? Mm -hmm. He left perfection. You know that for sure? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Where else did he go? Before the throne. He went before the throne. Is that like God's presence? Mm -hmm. Yep. Where else did he go for you? Every, go ahead. Go ahead. He left perfection. He left God's presence and came. Oh, he left glory to come here. Mm -hmm. He went to the earth. to the earth, made his dwelling among us, John said. Didn't he say that in <coughs> chapter 1? Mm -hmm. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Every he, he went into God's presence for us and he came to earth to be among us. But he did this for us, mm -hmm. and he went here for us, mm -hmm. and he went here for us. Where else did he go for us? Everywhere he went while he was on earth <clears throat> was for us. That's true. We're just assuming all that. Okay. Every little, all the stuff he did on earth, I mean, we could say... Yeah. You could sum it up all in here, but I think this is significant. And, uh, well, this can be both ways, but yes, okay. He went into the tomb. He went where? Into the tomb. Like where he put he dead died. people? He died. Um, oh, so you get two. Do y'all want to give her two for that? How would I get two? How would I get two out of what she just said? Yes. I don't know which word they use. The she Bible. said tomb. I'm just gonna go ahead and put that to clear it up. Well would have been Hades or, or Shoal. Yeah. yeah. Hades. That's kinda of where I meant. I wasn't sure he went actually to Hades. Yeah, that's what I was looking <laughs> for the first sure. I didn't That is the realm that is the realm of not here anymore. Exactly. <laughs> dead, either torment or paradise, either one, but Hades is not good or bad, it's just the realm of death. So, you could say death here, but tomb's definitely part of it, isn't it? Because tomb, and then, I don't know if y'all heard Alan, <clears throat> He said, Sheol, well, sometimes that kind of goes with, with Hades, but really Sheol, and, and in regard to tomb, I don't know if a lot of people have tombs around here. What are we talking about? What's another English word for tomb? Starts with G-R-A-V-E. Great. Yeah, he went all those places for us. Mm -hmm. Is that true? Yeah. 
Hmm. Why did he go all these places? I guess he was stuck in heaven. He was tired of that. No. But he went these places, didn't he? And the only place really, and that's terrible, I'm sorry. The only place really you could see him visibly is right here. I guess you say you could see this, maybe. Gonna put not so emphatic uh, asterisks by that. Well, people that were alive could see him then. They could see him. They saw it. John said he was an eyewitness. A lot of people saw it. So I don't mean to. That's why I put. I'm gonna go ahead and make it big. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry, Susan. <clears throat> why is this big? Why is this big? Why does this matter? Why does that matter? So that we could believe. So that we could believe. If people didn't witness it, how on earth would you know? How do you know any of this? Where'd you get this information? The word. Eyewitness accounts. More specific. That's true. From the witnesses that were there. Shoot, I didn't bring that. Yes, you had testimony from eyewitnesses of all these things. I don't I don't fuss at people a whole lot. Oh, I forgot to do my deal. Doggone it, did I? No, it's going. I don't fuss at people a whole lot, but you know, you could. The only, the only time I make a big deal out of this, everybody's got testimony. Well, in regard to this, you don't. Because you didn't see this. You didn't see this. So what did you see? A better statement for us is not what we've seen. Can can you give a testimony from what you heard, even in a courtroom? Yeah. You can. It's not this, is it? But sure you can. Now I'm in over my head there in regard to the courtroom, but I think you can. I think you can have phone conversations even. as well, It's not an eyewitness. It's just what somebody heard. So the eyewitness testimony. So what are we talking about? The eyewitness testimony. What are we talking about? We're talking about the New Testament. What are we talking about? The word. We're talking about the message. New Testament, the word, the message, eyewitness testimony. That's John 19.35, I think. The man who saw these things has written them down, and we know that he tells the truth. John said, I watched this. Don't tell me this didn't happen. Don't tell me this didn't happen. This right here happened. This right here, where we're right here, this happened. No, I saw it. We didn't just see it, we watched it. So in one regard, with all of this stuff, with all of this stuff, there's two things here that we've got with all this stuff. Where Jesus went, and the subsequent message or testimony. So I was talking to Jeff here, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. He said something about 
what we was doing Wednesday night or something, and I said, John 17, 20. Y'all turn over at John 17, 20. We're doing something else, so I don't know at all that he remembered that. But for several weeks, we've been undergirding this, so we've really kind of been talking about it. I'm just trying to say it explicitly. These are two things. Number one, where Jesus went, and number two, the message. I pray, I pray, sanctify them, Father, by the truth. Thy word is truth, 1717. Sanctify them, them who? Them disciples that have been praying for. Somebody read me the last verse in chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have, you, you have, you have, have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. 1633. A key element in regard to all this, what did he say? I have spoken. And then, read me first verse of 17. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. It's as if there's no space in between here. Jesus said all these things, period, lifted his eyes up to heaven and said. It appears to me the apostles are standing there while he's praying this prayer. The 11 that are left, Judas has already left chapter 13 to go betray him. And he prays this prayer and he gets down to 1720. And talks about their message. I pray not only for them, them disciples, them apostles. I pray for all those who will believe on me. How? Believe all these places that I went. How? How are they going to believe in Jesus? Through their message, through their word. So 14, 15, and 16, he's talking. What I'm submitting to you is he's talking about where he's going, and he's talking about the message that's yet to come. Brothers and sisters, they don't have the message. When John writes this, he's got the message. He ain't taking cliff notes from somebody else and going, Hey, Matthew, do you remember what happened? On he ain't doing none of that. The Bible never said that. He didn't pull out his field notes from when things went down. He didn't, they didn't know what was going on. They still didn't know what was going on. He's resurrected from the dead, preaches to them about the kingdom for 40 days, and they still don't know what's going on. Ch Acts chapter 1, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still don't know what's going on. They still don't understand that he came to earth. They know he did. They saw him. They still don't understand he went to the cross. They know he did. They saw him. They still don't understand that he went to the tomb. They know he did. They saw him. But they don't understand it. They don't understand it. And they won't understand it until who comes? Spirit. Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is bringing what? Let's change the word from message and use Jesus' word. <coughs> now, I told you when we started, John, keep on the lookout. So go back over to chapter 1. What are we looking out for? What are we looking? Turn over to John chapter 1. We'll see some stuff we're looking out for. The Word became flesh, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. No, that's what Nancy said. We agreed. That's fact. That's historical fact. It can debate a lot of things. You'd be a lot better off trying to debate the historical reality of Jesus, Julius Caesar than you would Jesus Christ because there ain't no comparison. There ain't no comparison. 
Well, not well nothing. There is no comparison whatsoever from a historical standpoint. So what do you do with him? Better figure out who he is. Because whether or not he was here is not a question. That is not a question. Atheists that hate God, Jesus Christ, and the book you're holding, that is not a question for them. The church appeared out of thin air. No, it did not. It could not. It couldn't appear out of Jesus being here and teaching and living a perfect example for three years. That didn't get it done. Because Acts chapter 1, they're still hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. That's what they understand. He's gone. They're scared to death. So, come back over here with me to chapter 13. Oh, we're still in chapter 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Stay in chapter 1. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. One of these days I'm going to do a sermon series. Of course, I won't call it that. And it'll be, where'd you come from? Where are you going? This will be all about Jesus. Who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have seen eyewitness testimony. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only, the only begotten of the Father, the one who is in the bosom of the Father, the one who is the Father in the flesh. We have seen his glory. Now jump down to verse 18. No one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, God, the only begotten, the only begotten Son of God, but God, the one and only has made the Father known. How'd he do that? All those places he went. He went to the cross. What do you understand about the Father? Romans 5, 8. 1 John 3, 16. John 3, 16. That's cool. Those go together. Y'all ever... Notice that little, I notice irritating little things like that sometimes. He went to the cross. What do you know about the Father? He loves us. He loves us. Period. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He went to the tomb. How do you know he went to the tomb? How many of y'all were there? How do you know he went to the tomb? The historical evidence, the eyewitness account. The message that came from who? You think John would have wrote a letter telling everybody that John's not going to write a letter to anybody about anything. He doesn't get it. Peter doesn't get it. Peter ain't going to write a letter to nobody about nothing. Come over with me to chapter 13. No one's ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known. We're just looking for that to show up. They knew, they knew God was in Jesus. They knew that. They knew they were going to a wedding at Cana, maybe before they got there, but by the time they got there, they did. They didn't know what was going to happen. Until Jesus changed the water to wine, and they said, whoa. He thus revealed his glory, the glory of the one and only. Mm -hmm. And his disciples put their faith in him. Yes, they did. As what? Having the authority to do absolutely whatever he wanted on planet Earth. Yeah. Yeah. 
But he told them, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be buried, raised again on the third day. And Peter got in his face and said, surely not, Lord. Does Peter understand? Peter understand. Chapter 13. Especially in the Gospels, if you look for questions that are in the conversation that the writer's giving, and if you'll, if you'll forget about chapter breaks, they're the most distracting thing only two or three times in Scripture I've ever thought, well, that's a nice break. 14's a horrible break. Uh, we'll start in 31. No, let's just read 32 because we're always looking for the first 18 verses and the light shines into the darkness. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. Did John have to say this? But he said it by inspirational purpose, and it was night. Of course it was. Of course it was. Hmm. And when he was gone, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. He started this talk in chapter 12. Remember when he was, the Greeks were looking for him and he's like, oh, what's going on? 12.23, the hour has come. He keeps, he keeps walking through crowds that intend to throw him off hills and stone him, but not anymore. The hour has come. He's not Western-minded, nor are they. They're not looking at their, their watches and going, okay, you got 60, 60 minutes. He means the time, the hour, the event. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, does a kernel of wheat go somewhere? Where's a kernel of wheat go to produce fruit? It dies. Yes, you're correct. I tell you the truth, unless kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it, I don't know why he starts talking about agriculture. He's talking about the time he's to be glorified. It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He just keeps using these metaphors and these illustrations and they keep being so to the point if you listen. He says a really cool thing here in verse 26. What do you say in verse 26? Somebody read that, Alan. What do you say in verse 26, 12, 26? I know I said we was in chapter 13. That means we'll be around in there in a minute. 12, 26. Yeah, note this in your Bible. Y'all just grab that, grab that in your mind and stick it in your hip pocket. Vest pocket would mean you're fixing to use it here in just a minute. You want it handy. Hip pocket means I want to know where it's at. I might need it in a minute or later or tomorrow. Whoever serves me must follow me. Where I am, my servant also will be. Isn't that funny? Does that have anything to do with anything? Okay, come back over here to chapter 13. Same subject, verse 31. Now is the Son of Man glorified and God glorified in him. Now he brings God into this conversation. If God is glorified in him, him being the Son, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify himself at once. If that's not typical John language, I don't know what it is. If you can't... If, if that excites you, where do we get to 1 John? There's not a single English word in that sentence you don't understand, is there? If Tim was him here, I'd pester him about circular thinking. This is circular stating. But if God's the nucleus of the circle, I don't care if it doesn't matter. My children, 
Oh, this is very different. This is a very different conversation. My children. What does that designate? Remember chapter one? We're always keeping chapter one in mind. He came to that which was his own, chapter one, maybe verse 12, but his own would not receive him. Who would that be? Jews. But his own would not receive him, primarily Jewish leaders. But his own would not receive him. Yet to all those who received him, to those who believed in his authority, they believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God. Jesus thinks he's God in the flesh or something. Now he's calling them his children. Are they his children or God's children? Yes, is the correct answer. Y'all are right. My children, my children, that means, that means, yeah, that means a lot. I don't want, I got to keep going. I'm sorry. I don't have to, but I'm going to. I'm trying to. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. I'm just going to be with you a little while longer. Has he said this before? Don't go to chapter 8. You will look for me just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Where is he going? Where I am, there 1226, my servant also must be. I wish he'd make up his mind, don't you? You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, that that, I'm pretty sure, made the hair stand up on the back of their neck. Because the conversations he has with the Jewish leaders, he doesn't generally have with the disciples, does he? Okay, y'all are, come over here with me to 821. There's a little bit of difference here, and I think it's just worthy. I try to think of things to say that will help us without giving things away, because if I just give everything away, then you don't have to think. And my primary objective is to interest people in thinking. Once more, Jesus said to them, to them Jews here, uh, once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Oh, he didn't call them children, did he? That's a stark contrast, isn't it? It's like life and death and dark and light. You will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Hmm. But he's right. He said, just like I told the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. He's going somewhere that they can't go. What's interesting? Uh, verse 36. Which chapter? Oh, my goodness. Can y'all not follow? John chapter 13. I'm sorry. See, y'all are thinking. If there was 21 of us here tonight, we could just all take a chapter. I know. <laughs> there, there you go. Okay, we'll back. I quit skipping verses. I'm sorry. Uh, now I forgot where it was. Oh, verse 34. New command I give you. He's told them, chapter 13. He's told them, I'm going. You can't come. Just going to be here. How long is he going to be with them? A little while. A little while. And where I'm going, you can't come. But I am going to give you a command. 
love one another. As I have loved you, so love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, that you love one another. Has that got anything to do with washing each other's feet? That's what he just got through doing. This makes a lot more sense when we quit making it change subjects every single line. Simon Peter asked him, here's the question. There's four questions. Peter and Thomas and Philip and Judas, not Iscariot, have questions. And Judas, not Iscariot, is more of a statement, but he's doing what I'm doing. He's making a statement that begs an answer. You got four apostles with four questions to help us sort this conversation out. Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now. But you will follow later. Oh. That seems like a qualifying statement, doesn't it? And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? Because somehow in Peter's mind, he's got this weird idea that following Jesus now would result in his what? That's it. Peter's probably a lot more intelligent than I am. I think he gets a bad rap like he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Well, before the Spirit comes and outlines all this, you'd be surprised how many people don't know what they're not taught. Has Jesus taught them anything? All day, every day. Has he taught them all truth in regard to the gospel of Jesus Christ? No. Has he said anything really he, he's, this is a very peculiar time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anything Jesus says, does he say it to the church of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? No. Are those four letters written to the church of Christ? Uh-huh. Written to the first century church. But when Jesus is talking, the church is not here yet because the church, the church, what brought the church about? If not for the apostolic eyewitness testimony, brothers and sisters, there would be no church. The message produced the church. So it is a viable point here. And, and I'm kind of a little sidetracked. I don't usually get into all this stuff in regard to John because I'm usually using the book of John to convert people to Jesus. I quit converting people to church Christ a long time ago and started converting them to Jesus Christ. It's his church, and I got to make them disciples of him. And when they are disciples of him, then I baptize them into his possession based on his authority and their confession of that authority. And they explain to them everything, teach them everything I can find about what Jesus commanded them. Fine. But you can convert people to correct worship doctrine or correct worship structure, and them still be giving God and Jesus Christ both a stiff arm. Well, you can. Now, you got to have some leeway in that because what I'm saying is you don't need to do a perfect job of teaching somebody. Just teach people. And it's an impossibility for you to teach people something you don't know. And if all you know is we gather on the first day of the week to ascribe to God the beauty of holiness and give God the glory to his name and we take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week, then teach them that. And if you get a chance to teach anybody or you're scared to teach anybody and you can get them to sit down and have a glass of iced tea with me, I'll be glad to teach people. I'll be glad to teach you how to teach people. I'll be glad to teach you so you can teach people. That's actually a biblical method. Paul told Timothy so he could take what he learned from Paul and entrust it to reliable men who will in turn also be able to teach others. So, but I'm just saying our faith is based in a person. I'm trying to get the message about Jesus. So what I'm going into here 
you could say this is a rabbit, but it's really not because John puts it in here. John wants to, the church to know, and I know John wants the church to know this because I've read 1 John. And that book, Brothers and Sisters, is a polemic. It is an argument. And it is against false knowledge that, that the world is selling. The world has always been selling to accommodate the, the lust of sinful men and what will promote their pride. And we will sell to you this secret gnosis, this secret knowledge, and here's all these secret things you need to know. Don't you just hate it when somebody takes a Bible and does that? You got to take the number of apostles, multiply it times the number of animals on Noah's Ark, and then divide it by how many birthdays that David wasn't present for. What are you talking about? That's first grade English, first grade Greek, and it's way over my head, I guarantee you. But there's a few things we can establish here, and John makes a big fat deal out of where did this message come from? Where did this message come from? Jesus kept his promise. Where did this message come from? The places Jesus went on behalf of the church. And because he went, the places he went, because he went to the earth from heaven, because he went to the cross when he was here, because he went to the grave and he was good and dead and not buried. He wasn't almost dead. He wasn't passed out. He wasn't swooning on the cross. He was dead, dead, dead. Been dead three days. And when our good companion, our good friend and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and the patient endurance that is ours in Christ Jesus was on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus came and appeared. And John said his hair was white as, white as snow. It, his head was white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And I fell on the ground as dead. And he put his hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Just like he said in chapter 14. Uh -huh. Behold, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I was dead and now... I am alive. And I went there to get something. I hold the keys of what was it? Death and Hades. He had to go to death to defeat it. Death had no hold on him, Peter would say in Acts 2, when he started understanding just like that. You see, the fact that there was anybody said anything on the day of Pentecost is an undefiable historical fact that you can't get around. I don't care how big an atheist you are, you can't get around the history of that. The church came from where? A bunch of scared cod fishermen arguing with themselves and scared of everybody? Something happened. I know what happened. Jesus came to earth. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the grave. He defeated it. Jesus went to Hades. He defeated it. It has no death on him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way present yourselves alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Where I go, my servant also must come. Unless a, sand, unless a seed of wheat fall to the ground and dies, it abides by itself. Do we want to be fruitful? Because there's the schematic for it. Guess what it is? Excuse me, Father. Dead to myself, alive to you. I followed my master and I've gone into death, the death of my old man. And I followed in my master's steps and I, I was the same spirit of holiness that raised him from the dead has, has raised me from the dead that we may walk in newness of life. 
being fruitful in our knowledge and understanding. John wants you to make sure everybody knows in the church, we didn't make this up. Make it up, we didn't have a cotton-picking clue about it. Well, you could have taken the law. The law of Moses didn't come to earth, die on the cross, defeat death, get the keys of death in Hades, and go into God's presence and make everything all right. Moses didn't do that. Jesus Christ did. The law was given through Moses, grace and truth. He came, he died, he defeated, he intercedes, he's in God's presence, he left our presence to go to the Father's presence. Why? For us. I got to quit getting sidetracked. We won't get finished. Okay. Thoughts, comments, questions? Did y'all follow any of that? It's not really a rabbit. It's really what we're having for supper. The rabbit stew's okay. Simon, Lord, where are you going? Where I'm going, you cannot follow. This is verse 36 of chapter 13. I'm trying to not put my hands in front of my mouth. So y'all can understand me, and I'm trying to help people know where I am. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? Kathy and I both smile every time Peter says something. I don't know if she thinks, if Peter reminds her of me, but Peter reminds me of me. That's why I'm smiling. I will lay down my life for you. Where does he think Jesus is going? It ain't been that long, folks, since he got in trouble in front of everybody for not knowing where Jesus was going when Jesus looked him straight in the eye and told him where he's going. We're going to Jerusalem. Let me make this, let me make this metaphor that you don't understand. You want the itinerary? Jesus said, here it is. We're going to Jerusalem. I'll be handed over to chief priests, the elders, teachers of the law. I'll be beat, spit on, persecuted, mocked, crucified, and raised again on the third day. Any questions? They had all kinds of questions. They don't know where to start. But nobody else feeds 20,000 people from two sardines and five tortillas. Nobody else went to Lazarus' tomb and said, Lazarus, here. Y'all cut him loose. Nobody. No, they know that. Nobody does that. And then Jesus answered, will you really? Let's, glad you brought it up, Peter. Will you really lay down your life for me? Is this enough, Peter? You're ready to get your cap and gown right now? You're ready to go. You don't want me to hand you your diploma? You're ready to go? Will you really lay down your life for me? I'll tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows and the Holy Spirit gets here, you'll disown me three times. I'm not going to make it till daylight. You don't know enough and understand enough. Peter went everywhere he went. Peter, James, and John went some places the other guys didn't even get to go. Peter's already been on the majestic. We saw his majesty. We were with him on the majestic mountain. We did not follow cleverly invented stories as people do. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him talk to Moses and Elijah. Peter, James, and John did. That's what Peter said. First Peter. Now, we saw that right there, Second Peter, yeah. Bad chapter break because we're still operating on the question that Peter had, where are you going? In answer to that question, Jesus said what, 14.1? See, I made so much application from this last week or week four, whatever when it was, probably both, that I want you to understand there is application for this, okay? The application is Jesus is God Almighty in the flesh, and whatever it is he did and wherever it was he went and whatever he accomplished leaves you to the point that you're a Christian and you don't need to be trouble, even though in this world you're going to have trouble, Paul said. Paul, our friend here, read that. In this world you're going to have trouble. Take, take heart. I came to the earth and overcame the world. In me, you will have peace. Why? Because I went where you can go. Maybe you can follow me, but I got to go make a way for you to be able to follow me, Peter. 
You can't follow me yet, Peter. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, then you trust also in me. He says that in response to what? Where I'm going. So I think it's worth our time to figure out what he's talking about, not just make application out of it all the time. Though I think application is real important. I don't want anybody here to be troubled. Don't think needs to trouble you. Something's bigger than Jesus Christ. And that couldn't be sin, death, or hell for sure. Or anything in this world for sure. Okay? But for these apostles... In my father's house, what's that got to do with where he's going? I thought he's talking about where he's going. Now he got sidetracked and talking about some lake house God's got somewhere. Is that what he's doing? Or is he talking about where he's going? I think he's still talking about where he's going. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And when he says father's house, remember the other day, we talked about this sometime. This is one of the disadvantages. I don't know how this is. I would just like generally you guys to give me feedback. Has this been good or hard? I thought if we stayed in the gospel of John and we don't jump all over everywhere, then it gives us time to consider things. And I know people miss stuff. I know that. But that's fixing to not be a problem because I just was just before putting a bunch of stuff on podcast today. Uh, but Lord willing, and I'm going to, I don't want to get too sidetracked on that. But so you're going to be able to make up the ground. So, but in one of these times we're talking about this, when he says Father's house, what did the Jews think? What? The Jews. What do these disciples think when he said his father's house? When he says father, who do they think he's talking about? Joseph? Man, is that Nazareth? No, they think he's talking about God because they think God's his father. And what really do they think he's talking about? You said it, brother. The temple. That's the father's house. What's the temple got to do with anything? What does the temple do for the Jewish nation? That's it. Take the temple out of Judaism. Do you still have Judaism? (coughs) Well, they destroyed it twice. Because God got done with it, not because Rome got done with it, not because Babylon got done with it, because God's done with it. Moses never made the claims that he was doing all those four or five things. Moses never made the claim that he was defeating the grave. The law Moses gave didn't defeat the grave, did it? Was there intercession there? Well, yeah. But it's really just typical. The Hebrew writer would say it's not reality. It is literally a shadowy copy It's in the shape of the reality. That's what shadows are. But they're not shadows, have no independent existence. They're not a reality. They're a reality, but they're not the real thing. You see what I'm saying? They they are like the real thing. They're in reverse image. They're an image of the real thing. That's another subject. Yes, ma'am? Did somebody say something? No? Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see, now we could be doing Hebrews at this same time, but we just mix a little in there. So then, okay. Then let's look, let, let me do this. Let's look here at what Thomas says, verse 5, 14, 5. Oh, shoot. No, let's just keep reading. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there. What? Where's he going? He's going to the father's house. 
He can't even go into the father's house because he's not a priest, is he? I mean, there's, there's stages of the temple, and it's really stages of what was the temple primarily? It's access to God. So you've got what? Stages of access to God. Yeah. But when you get into the God-God part, Hagia Hagion, the holy of holies, the most holy place, when you get in there, who goes in there? Can you follow with him? Can you benefit from what he did in there? Mm-hmm. You can, but the, whole, the high priest, the Jewish high priest, the Levitical priest going into the Holy of Holies, is he really making, is he making intercession for the people? Uh-huh. Have to make our heads go like this. Is he making a way so that the Jewish nation can come in there with him? Mm, not really. Now you, we... It can't expand it that far. But Jesus going into the Father's house, and they can't go with him, but he's going to make a place for them. It's very interesting. And I'm not saying I got all this figured out. My main objective is get people to what? Do you remember? Think. 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 Well, and the inherent think means also study, not just imagine stuff, but study. If I go there and prepare a place for you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Reckon they got it done? Where are all the places Jesus went? To the earth, that's good. To the cross, yeah. To the cross to offer what? Sacrifice. We're keeping it in temple terms, why? Because that's what he's talking about, to them in their vernacular. Very interesting. I don't know what they thought initially. And if I go there, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you so that you can be with me, uh, so that you can be with me, that you also may be where I am. It's interesting. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Maybe that alludes to, Peter knows he's going to die. That's what he said a while ago. I'll go die with you. Well, if I'm not dying, how are you going to go? Peter knows he's dying. They all know it. He's already told them 14 times. They just don't understand it. And they have trouble believing what they don't understand. That's why I think God wrote the book down so we can pick at it, pray about it, humble ourselves along enough. We can understand what we've believed. I think that's helpful. So then look here in verse 8. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. I mean, if you'll just show us, I got an answer to all this. I know Peter's troubled. Lord, we're all troubled. It's late. We're tired. It's, just show us, Father. That'd be enough for us. If you'll show us, Father, we got it from here. Oh, you'd like your cap and gown too. All you need, that's all you need, Philip? That's all you need? You don't need me to prepare a place for you? You don't need me to prepare a way for you? You just need to see the Father and you're just going to go straight to him on your own? Is that what you're going to do? Fill up. Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me? Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, how can you now say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Is this intimate relationship? This is intimate relationship, which is what the word children, my children, most especially, my beloved or my children, however your version translates it, that's, that's a statement of intimate relationship. Don't you know that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. It's going to kind of be like a father living in them doing his work here in a little bit. 
Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And then we'll throw verse 22 in here also just for you to think about for next time. And then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? It's got something to do with this conversation. It's got something to do with this conversation. So we're going to pause there for tonight. Uh, I love you guys. Appreciate your... Uh, Your patient endurance, uh, appreciate your feedback. I really do encourage you as you're studying and reading to write down questions you have. And I'm encouraging us to, I know we have questions about stuff that may or may not have any significance. But my wife has spent almost 30 years trying to train me, and guess what it usually is you find? This is because I lose stuff a lot. Guess what it usually is? You, guess, guess, how do you find stuff? I know that's complicated. So I have a question. What are we trying to find? As we're reading the Gospel of John, what are we trying to find? I think that's a good place to be. I think that's a good place to be. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, so much. We love you for who you are. We love you, Father, because you first loved us. We love you because you're the God of truth who tells us the truth and established the truth, Father, for all eternity by sending the spirit of truth to the apostles of Jesus Christ. And to the prophets, Father, the prophets that worked with those apostles and relayed to us the message of truth. It doesn't just tell us, Father, where all Jesus went. It explains to us very thoroughly why he went where he went. It tells us and explains thoroughly, Father, where he is right now. We needed him to come to earth and make his dwelling among us. We did too. We needed him to go to the cross. We needed him to go to the grave. We needed him, Father, to go into death or even hell itself. And we needed, Father, for him to be raised again on the third day by your spirit, by your glory. And we needed, Father, for him to ascend into heaven, to be crowned as king and Christ and Lord and to reign, Father, on our behalf. And we needed him also, Father, to go into heaven itself and intercede for us right now with the blood of his own sacrifice. We needed him, Father, to go everywhere he's ever went. There's just one more we're waiting on, Father, and that's for him to come back and get us. And we need him. We need him to come back and get us, and we long for that day. Bless us, Father, in this suffering, in this kingdom that is ours, and in this patient endurance that is now ours also in Christ Jesus. Bless us, Father. Bless us to understand and bless us and comfort us, Father, 
maybe especially when we don't. Give your word to bear fruit in our minds, in our hearts, and so in our lives. And help us, Father, figure out some way, somehow, to share all the good things that Jesus is with other people. We love you, Father, and we need you. To thank you for this family. Thank you for your word of truth. Bless your word of truth and bless this family in any little way. And bless them, Father, in every single way that brings you glory for being the promise-keeping God that you are. It's through him who bled for us, died for us, defeated death and hell itself for us, and lives powerfully by the power of an indestructible life and intercedes in heaven itself on our behalf right now, Father, that we pray these things. Amen. Peace.